This episode of Tales from the Flipside is brought to you by the Geek and Gamer Guild podcast. It's a review of all things geek and gamer culture. Currently, they're running a special Watching with Hindsight series where they review the first season of Westworld episode by episode with knowledge of the season as a whole in order to see all of the hints and Easter eggs. Check them out at questandnetwork.com and on Twitter at Geek and Gamer. Now it's time for Tales from the Flipside. you hip cats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. Welcome to Tales from the Flipside. I am your host, the comic book-loving, time-traveling, diesel-punk prophet of pop culture, the artist also known as the King of Swing, the Tower of Power, Big Daddy Cool. I'm John Pika. You can call me Johnny, and we are swinging solid from the Houdini Room Studios here at the Casa de Cool. And on tonight's episode, we are going to talk the top five diesel punk movies. And before we dive into that, today you may have seen an article on barnesandnoble.com talking about decopunk and why decopunk should be bigger than steampunk. This is the first time that I've seen a major outlet use a term other than steampunk. Now, we currently have a a petition online at change.org to get Warner Brothers to acknowledge the Wonder Woman movie as diesel punk officially. And even though we don't necessarily support deco punk as a separate genre, we recognize that it is a subgenre of diesel punk. And we're going to talk about it more on the next episode of the Diesel Powered Podcast on the Diesel Punk and Pop Culture Roundtable. And we're going to really discuss it in detail, but I'd love to know your thoughts going into that. What do you think about Barnes & Noble actually using the term decopunk? And if you haven't seen the article, you can go to... Uh, our Facebook page, either Big Daddy Cool Shows or the Diesel Powered Podcast, and there's a link to it there, and you can read the article and uh, provide your feedback. We would love to hear from you. It's certainly a timely topic, as we are seeing more and more deco-styled diesel punk coming out in the mass media. And one of the books that they cited is a brand new book called Amber Low, which uh, I picked up strangely enough, at Barnes & Noble just a few weeks ago. Haven't dug into it yet, but looking really forward to it. And of course, with uh, Fantastic Beasts, that was heavily, heavily uh, deco aesthetic uh, inspired. And the new Wonder Woman movie, although we're pushing to have it called Diesel Punk, is at the very start of kind of that deco, uh, deco era. And, um, so a lot of exciting things going on and, um, 
we'd love to get you guys involved in the conversation. If you haven't signed the petition on change.org, just go over there right now, change.org, and do a search for Wonder Woman officially recognized as diesel punk, and you will find it, and we need you to sign it. We want to get 10,000 signatures, and I think right now we have 10. So uh, go do that, and we would really appreciate it. So I want to talk to you guys real quick tonight about my top five diesel punk movies. These are my favorite diesel punk movies, and strangely, the majority of them would fit into that deco punk mold. I I love the deco part of diesel punk. To be honest with you, if I had had my choice, I would have called it deco punk. And originally that was the search term that I used when I found diesel punk. You know, I was talking with some friends who were into steampunk and I thought, you know, I wonder if there's something for me. And so I did a search for art deco, deco punk. And that led me to diesel punk. So myself, I really gravitate towards that aesthetic. And in, in the diesel punk community, we call that hopeful autism. Named after the, uh, the guy who uh, kind of helped create some of the, the flavors of diesel punk, Nick Audens. And um, the hopeful autism diesel punk is, you know, more bright, it's hopeful, it's positive, um, less emphasis on the, the machines of war and destruction, more emphasis on, you know, the, the bright, shiny, mass production, chrome-plated stuff. And uh, that's what I really uh, generate to, towards, or gravitate towards, rather. And if you're wondering what exactly is diesel punk, what do I mean when I say diesel punk? I'm talking about a genre that really draws its influence from the retrofuturism of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. And it, it blends the aesthetics and the stylings of, of that era with contemporary or futuristic technology. And I like to say that diesel punk sees the future of tomorrow through yesterday's eyes. That's my personal favorite definition. And um, to be diesel punk, something has to be contemporary in origin. And we can argue what contemporary means, but for the most part it means made since the end of the 1950s forward. Anything made before that that fits in the genre or fits the aesthetics, we consider the building blocks of deco punk, the influence of diesel punk or the uh, what we call proto-punk or proto-diesel. Uh, it's got to have the aesthetics of the era. So you've got to have the look, feel, styling, sound, musically, and it's got to have science fiction or, uh, or fantasy in some form or format. And then the overarching umbrella is punk, which is kind of a, a, a push against contemporary culture or, or a countercultural push. And for me, as a what we call a lifestyler, I, I kind of rebel against contemporary culture by rejecting contemporary casual culture. The national uniform of the t-shirt and cargo shorts and flip-flops, 
you will never see me wearing that in public. Now, I might wear it out in the garden. I might wear a t-shirt and shorts to go bike riding. But for the most part, I'm wearing a shirt and tie or at least a button-down shirt and a vest. Um, you know, I try to dress my best and dress in retro vintage styling. So, um, you know, that's kind of my, my deal there. Now, I want to talk about my top five favorite diesel punk movies. And these mostly have diesel um, or, or deco aesthetics. Up first at number five is Peter Jackson's King Kong. Now, I'm not normally a fan of remakes or reboots unless they can improve on the original. And in this case, I think Peter Jackson's King Kong did improve on the original. Jack Black, Adrian Brody gave stellar performances. And Jack Black, in particular, was my favorite character of the whole movie. And the movie really illustrated the arrogance and hubris of humanity. Like, you know, Titanic, the movie Titanic illustrated that to close out the steampunk era. King Kong really exemplified that attitude in the diesel era. And all of the styling is deco. It's it's in the 1920s. So art deco is heavy. You know, we've got prohibition, jazz, um, the 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 depression is hitting. And it's just a beautiful movie. Beautiful, gorgeous movie to watch. And what makes it punk? What makes it sci-fi fantasy? Well, hello. You've still got dinosaurs and giant apes, monsters, living on Earth. And that's the sci-fi fantasy part that makes it uh, more than a period piece. It makes it a diesel punk piece. Up next on my list at number four is probably the quintessential diesel punk movie. This movie is the movie that if someone said, what is diesel punk? You would hand them this movie on DVD and say, watch this movie. And that is Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. You've got Jude Law as Sky Captain, Gwyneth Paltrow as Penny. And it, um, oh, and Giovanni, Giovanni Ribisi as uh, Dax. Um, you've got, uh, um, oh, why does her name escape me? This happened. She plays Frankie Angelina Jolie, uh, the, uh, the sky captain for, uh, for the British Royal Navy floating fortresses. Basically sky captain had shield heli helicarriers before the Avengers movies did, but, uh, sky captain, it was, uh, shot by. Uh, a couple of brothers who had nev never made a film before and have never made a film since. But everything in the movie is CGI except for the actors and the costumes they wear and the hand, hand props. Everything else in the movie, the backdrops, the vehicles, everything is CGI. And they really revolutionized filmmaking. George Lucas saw Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, and he immediately invited the brothers to become part of his collective of filmmakers, which included Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, and some others. 
And the techniques that they developed for Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow really went on to change the way movies are made today. Sadly, they were disillusioned with the entire Hollywood process and movie-making process, and they got out of the business um, as filmmakers. They're still working in production and um, doing special effects and whatnot, but as creators themselves, they're, they're not going to do any more, which is a shame because Sky Captain is a beautiful movie to watch, and it has everything that diesel punk is all about. It's contemporary in origin. It's got the aesthetics. It uh, has sci-fi and fantasy. And in that sci-fi and fantasy, you've got ray guns. You've got giant robots. You've got, um, uh, you know, mad scientists, Nazis planning the complete destruction of the earth. You've got a, an android ninja. It's, and then, and then, and then, for those fans who love the the Art Deco and the noir, it's all filmed in this very uh, noir style, muted tones, almost black and white, but not quite. Um, so it feels very noir. All of the architecture, cars, uh, all of the uh, interiors of the buildings are Art Deco. But then just to cap it off and to make it the quintessential diesel punk movie, they bring in the elements of the military aesthetics that are so popular with the diesel punk community. Sky Captain is a fighter pilot. And so he owns his own private airfield and his own private uh, air force. And uh, they fly the, the P-51 Mustangs. And it's just super cool. So you got this great mashup of all of the aesthetics. The only thing that keeps it from being higher on my list is that it is, uh, the, the pacing is a little bit uh, slow at times. It's okay because you're watching a great movie, a, a great visual movie. And, um, and it's a movie that you've really got to have an appreciation for the aesthetics to get into it. I've shown the movie to a lot of uh, just kind of lay people and they haven't dug it the way that I have. And that's okay. But it, it knocks it down a tier from uh, higher on the list. Coming in at number three, so we've got number five at King Kong, number four, Sky Captain. Number three is The Rocketeer. And this is the first movie on my list that also made my top five comic book movies. This also made number three on my top five comic book to film adaptations. The Rocketeer, based on the comic book series by Dave Stevens. This is another movie that if you want to show someone what diesel punk is, you can hand them this movie because it also has the same elements as Sky Captain. However, it's a little bit more accessible to the general audience because it is a, a superhero, comic book heroic character. It's in color. It's got a little bit faster pacing. And, um, you know, it's got the over-the-top uh, antics. Now, what makes it really great, though, is Timothy Dalton plays an unbelievable villain in Neville Sinclair. The number seventh highest grossing box office star in the world um, and 
it's got Jennifer Conley as Jenny Blake. Now, the only thing that oh oh and and uh, um oh golly, Peavy uh, Arkin, Alan Arkin as as Peavy, just a great great movie. Uh, Paul Sorvino is in it. He plays Eddie Valiant, the gangster. Just a great cast, really good story, directed by Joe Johnston, who we're going to talk about again in a minute. Um, Joe Johnston worked on the Indiana Jones movies, and he brought that that sensibility to the Rocketeer, and we're going to talk about him again. The only thing that keeps it from being a perfect comic-to-film adaptation, and I talked about this on the last episode, is that Jenny Blake... The, the character of Jenny Blake was changed by Disney because the original character in the comics was Betty Blake, who was heavily, heavily influenced. And some people say that Dave Stevens, the creator of Rocketeer, was blatant about it and, and made it a, a full-on homage. She was based off of Betty Page, the classic pinup erotic pinup and burlesque performer and Disney was worried about that connection and so they changed the character's name to Jen from Betty to Jenny to kind of throw off critics and parents and you know people who might be upset about that today I don't know that it would be such a big deal but back then it, it was a big deal and that's the only thing that keeps it from being a perfect translation as a matter of fact when you read the uh the comics now, after you've seen the movie, you hear all of these characters in those movie character voices. So, um, great film. The Rocketeer's Jetpack, of course, was built by Howard Hughes, and um, he play he appears as a character in the film as well. And um, just great, great. I can't say enough good things about the Rocketeer. It's one of my uh, probably one of my top five or six movies that I could watch pretty much every day. Next on my list, coming in at number two on my top five, is The Phantom, starring Billy Zane as Kit Walker in The Phantom, Treat Williams as Xander Drax, begins and ends with an X, and uh, Christy Swanson as Diana Palmer, and uh, it's got Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, and a uh, couple of other actors that when you see him you're like oh i that guy yeah i love that guy and um the phantom is in my opinion the single best comic book to film adaptation they did a great job kit walker and and uh, the way billy zane plays that character and plays the phantom it's dead on now casual fans give it kind of a pass because they think it's a little bit corny, a little bit old-fashioned, a little bit cheesy. And I say that's one of the things that really makes it special. They made, they made this movie, Joe Dante is the uh, director, and they really made this movie the way they used to make movies, in the pulp serial style. And, you know, the Phantom, of course, is the Lee Falk classic pulp hero the very first superhero to appear in four-color uh, graphic form, in comic book form. He precedes all of the others. And um, the movie just really captured that pulp 
adventure feeling really well. They did a great job. And it is, again, one of the movies I could just watch over and over and over again. And here's the good news. It, uh, it didn't do well at the box office, but it's become kind of a, a hit on video. And Billy Zane has said he's ready to make the sequel. An older Phantom at the end of his career, and he's willing to fund it and put up the money himself. So we might be seeing a Phantom sequel in the not-too-distant future. I, for one, hope that happens. Finally, coming in at number one, and I just want to say before I talk about this final film, there are a couple of movies that I left off my top five list. There are no Indiana Jones movies on this list, and there's a reason for that. Indiana Jones, for me, kind of transcends the diesel punk genre. Clearly, diesel punk classic and has all of the elements. And as a film franchise, one of my top three film franchises, I love everything about Indiana Jones. But on this list, what I was really trying to go for is those movies that had clear diesel punk aesthetics and clear art deco uh, styling and had clear mashup. Um, sometimes in the Indiana Jones movies, you forget the time period they, they were set in. So, And that's not a dig on them. I'm just saying that for my money as an example, they, they don't necessarily make my top five, although they are among my top 10 best movies ever made, favorite movies ever made. Also not on the list is Batman 1989, the Tim Burton classic. Um, and, and again, kind of the same reasons. I didn't include Sucker Punch because Sucker Punch has a lot of diesel punk um, aesthetics, but it also has a lot of other genres mixed in. So it's not pure diesel punk. The other movie that I left off that a lot of people put on their list and really, really love is Dark City. And the reason I left Dark City off is because it clearly is diesel punk. It clearly has all of the elements, the sci-fi fantasy, the decodence, the, uh, the contemporary techniques. has two of my favorite actors, of course, again, Jennifer Conley, and it has... Um, it has a great, great hero who is normally a villain. And uh, I'm talking about um, uh, Rufus Seal, Sewell, Sewell, however you pronounce his last name. Um, and he's the protagonist in this movie. He's usually a villain, but interesting choice to see him as the protagonist. The reason I didn't put this on the list is because I find the story completely uh, unfollowable. You can't, I, I can't understand what the point of the story is. There's so many uh, unknowns, so many things that are go unexplained and character motivations that I, it just, for me as a, as a film, as a story overall, just doesn't make the cut. That having been said, my top pick for diesel punk movies, number one diesel punk movie. And again, this is a movie that you can hand someone and say, this. This is diesel punk. It just so happens to also be the most successful box office movie on this list. 
and one of the top grossing box office hits in the last decade. I'm talking about Marvel's Captain America, The First Avenger, also directed by Joe Johnston. If you recognize that name, he was the director of The Rocketeer. He worked on Indiana Jones, all of the Indiana Jones series. He was uh, director of cinematography for those movies. So he brings all of that diesel punk aesthetic, all of that diesel punk flavor to Captain America, the first Avenger. It is an origin story telling the origin of Steve Rogers going from zero to hero. Thanks to Dr. Uh, Erskine's super soldier formula. And this movie is set in world war two and, uh, all of the styling, all of the clothing, all of the vehicles, tack perfect, great cast with uh, Chris Evans as Captain America. And I remember when he was cast as Steve Rogers, I had my doubts he would be great, but uh, he was. He was awesome. And um, also, you had Tommy Lee Jones as the general, but we got to be introduced to one of our diesel punk heroes in Sharon Carter. I mean, Peggy Carter, Agent Peggy Carter, who would go on to be the star of her own television series on ABC, which is pointed to now as a diesel punk classic television show, has all of the elements of retrofuturism. The best thing about Captain America, the first Avenger is that you've got Stanley Tucci playing Dr. Dr. Erskine and Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull, tack perfect as the Red Skull. Just like I mentioned with uh, with Sky Captain, any movie with Giovanni Ribisi is worth seeing. Any movie with Stanley Tucci is worth watching. And the addition of Hugo Weaving as uh, the Red Skull just made this movie top the charts, off the chain good. Um it has everything a diesel punk movie should have. It's got the styling of the era, what we call the decadence, the aesthetics. It's got the sci-fi and fantasy with the super soldier formula, robots, the cosmic cube, uh, powering hydro weapons, futuristic tech, magic tech, everything you could ever want in a diesel punk movie. And that's why, and it's a huge box office success. And that's why it is my number one diesel punk movie pick. I'm a huge fan of Captain America. I collect Captain America merchandise and memorabilia, posters, prints, figures, you know, vehicles. And for the majority of the movie going public, the lay public, they know Captain America now because of the Captain America movies, the Avengers movies, Marvel has done a great job of introducing this character. So now you can hand them Captain America, the first Avenger, and say, this, this is diesel punk. Do you like this? Yes? Welcome to the club. And um, those are my top five diesel punk movies. I uh, hope you enjoyed the list. I'd like to hear your list. So uh, connect with me at, at Big Daddy Cool 
at BigDaddyCoolShows.com. Just go to, or you can go to BigDaddyCoolShows.com, click the social icon, social media icon of your choosing, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, however you want to get in touch with me, email, it's all there. Just go to BigDaddyCoolShows.com and you can do that. I also want to thank the people who make this show possible, our patrons. Uh, for this episode, we've got uh, Andy Johnson, John Besaw, Dave Manginelli, Eli Cash. They have contributed at Patreon.com slash BigDaddyCoolShows to make this broadcast possible. We also want to thank our paid sponsors, the Geek the Geek and Gamer Guild podcast. Check them out at questandnetwork.com. Audible.com. They are back as a sponsor. And you can get a free audiobook on us. Go to audibletrial.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast. And you can download any one of their 100,000 plus titles for free just for checking them out. And finally, Comic Bento. You can get a mystery box of graphic novels in your mailbox every month, at least $50 or more for under $20, and it comes to your doorstep. We're going to be doing a live bento box opening on the Tales from the Flipside TV cast, the video cast on YouTube next week. So you want to tune in and check that out, but you can get your own comic bento at mycomicbento.com. So again, on behalf of all of us here at Tales from the Flipside and the Diesel Powered Podcast, we're simulcast on the Diesel Powered Podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. We couldn't do it without you. And if you like the show, tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to tune in, subscribe at YouTube, like us on Facebook, connect with us on Twitter, and until the next time, Swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.